This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Eldstar and Ian McKenzie. Hello and welcome to episode 20. 19. Uh, 19, 1920, 2019 of The Dog Days. <laughs> um, Flav, welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Welcome yeah, very good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. No, no worries. Thank you, um, you know, I don't often listen to podcasts, so honestly, I'm doing enough of them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and Ian said he did, he did one, so I had a listen. I thought, that's really good. Oh, why, really, did you, why did you like it? I don't know. Uh, it, it, it kind of resonated with me. I, I kind of... It's, I'll tell you what it was. I listened to Josh Donnelly talk. Connolly, yeah. Connolly, Connolly yeah. sorry, Connolly, my bad. Yeah. Super fan. Sorry, Josh. Josh. Shit, he's going to hear that straight away, by the way. Is he? Sorry, mate. I, and I was just captivated. I very rarely listen to a whole podcast. I'll turn it off. And I listened to his story from start to finish. Like, it's mental. It's mad. Like, yeah. like by his own admission, madness at times. And, you know, the drugs and football violence. And then listening to... I'm like, that. this guy talking is, yeah. used to be a, a footy... Footy hooligan, mm, yeah. no chance, and and he's got like no toes and stuff like that. And <laughs> all this stuff just makes just rounds him up to be. I'm, I, I desperately want want to meet up and talk with him. Well, and, mate, he's he's actually one of our frequent uh, yeah, dog listen. dayers anyway. He's yeah. kind of like our extra fourth player. Yeah, um, he's the, the Dennis Wise um, great to our player manager team. Flav's not the only new person here today, is he? Oh yeah, sorry, we've got Pooch <laughs> as well. Hello, yeah. Mate. yeah, I'm back. Where have I'm you been, back mate? On. I'm back on. Been going through my own dog days to be fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm back and I'm happy to be back, guys. It feels good. Nice, nice. Well, well, look, I haven't even done much of an introduction there. So, Flav, um, for those that don't know, is the founder of The Fighting Cock, which, to my knowledge, and it's going to be really basic knowledge, is a, a podcast around a famous uh, soccer team called Huttsburg. <laughs> You're a Spurs um, fan, aren't you, Ollie? Yeah, yeah. Don't... Sol Campbell. <laughs> He's my favourite, actually. I share a lot of values with Sol Campbell. <laughs> I realised. Um, we maybe... don't even know if he knows. That's no, the I thing. think like, he started at Arsenal. He's he not, okay, or, or vice know, versa. Yeah, okay. like, I know lots of football stuff. I'll shock you all. Um, with Tom Huddleston. His uh, cracking kick. He, in the goal, he did lots of long 20-yard kicks that <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. went in. Yeah. In fact, the only ever live t- a Spurs game I have seen was when Tom Huddleston scored a goal against South End. Good. We'll, we'll have to... Does that happen? I don't know. Oh, I don't oh, think so. Oh, oh. I, I, we played South End and Defoe scored in like the 97th. Yeah, so going back, Flav's a bullshitter. And <laughs> I know more. In fact, I'm now the host of the Fighting Cup. Um, but Flav, yes, you want to speak about how you've been doing podcasting for literally nine times the amount of time that we've been doing it for. Yeah. Uh, nine years or longer. Mm. Um, but also, I was quite keen to learn more about where it started for you. How how on earth? Because nine years ago, podcasting wasn't cool. Yeah. We're sitting here with my headphones on, pretending to be cool. But Culture vultures. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've moved into this and we love it. But nine years ago, I imagine that was a lot of graft and, and sticking with something that no one really cared about at that time. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, essentially, it wasn't a... Uh... A, a way of absorbing media that everyone did. It wasn't like, you know, YouTube was blowing up back then, but podcasting was relatively new and there wasn't a, you know, that many of them compared yeah. to now. Like, it's completely saturated. And it's, it's really difficult to get a podcast up and running. Like, you guys have done done well to be consistent and to produce the quality and, mm-hmm. and find something that is worth listening to because, but, but your challenge is it, is it so hard to find? How do you get it out there? And then how do you make someone actually invest an hour of their time? And in a modern day where everything is swipeable and, and, and all media is absorbed in a matter of seconds, how do you get someone to sit down for an hour? Yeah. So it's a challenge, but like I said, you know, I, I've listened to your pods and I really, really enjoy them. Thank you. I, I listen to two pods essentially, my one and, and this one. Wow. <laughs> uh, See, Josh, you're not alone. Yeah. So there's another one of you. Well, look, I, let's go back then. So... Mm. Pooch uh, noted earlier that obviously started in journalism. Can we go back to then? Like, what was it? What was that? Twenty-one years old. How did it all start? Well, um, I went to university at eighteen, 
Nice. And uh, I studied journalism. That was the, the only career I ever wanted, really. I, I felt like that was what I wanted to do, sports journalism. And uh, yeah, I went to university and there, it wasn't, I didn't finish my degree, essentially. I was going to say, did you get a degree? No, I didn't. Okay. I, I, I spent 15 grand, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. Does that count? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what everyone does, though, doesn't it? Put that on the table, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah so I spent, I spent a lot of money doing it, but didn't finish it. And um, uh, you know, But I, I, I was interested in journalism. I'm interested in the sharing of information. And, you know, some of my favourite authors are, are ones that give the clearest and most direct information, like George Orwell, for example. Yeah. And so... That, and that's kind of what we all do, isn't it? As human beings, we interact with each other, we talk to each other. Our, our value as a human being is what other people see in us, typically. So, you know, journalism seemed like a perfect thing for me. It was the only thing I wanted to do, but it's quite hard when you can't even do a three-year degree mm. and you drop out, you know, halfway through the third year. What and was the reason for dropping out? Um, someone I was very close to got very sick and... I had to drop out to, to look after wow. that person. I don't want to say because mm-hmm. if people know me, they'll know. Yeah. And she wouldn't want that, that to be out there. But, but yeah, she got she got quite poorly. And it, I didn't have a choice, essentially. It was oh, yeah. partly, um, you know, the, the, the how can you be going away enjoying yourself when someone's there who needs your help? And every mm-hmm. time you go away, it exacerbates that issue. So kind of unbeknown to my family and unbeknown to everybody I dropped out of college and pretended I was still going to university oh, so wow, okay. yeah so my, <laughs> and, and then I had to make some bullshit up about not finishing not writing my dissertation and yeah. some issues with technology and my computer didn't work and I think ultimately they knew but given the situation it was uh they didn't put me through it you know they would have been pissed off if I'd have told my parents that I was dropping yeah. out. Anyway, it seemed like the right thing to do, even though it was very difficult, and I didn't really want to do it. I, I, it felt something I did, had to do. Do they think you've got a degree? No, they know I haven't. Okay. But, but they never... You came, came they, to the first. Well, no, I, 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 just, I just didn't talk about it. Yeah, it, was, really? it was really weird. Like, it's... My parents... It's not got a place on the mantelpiece. Like, yeah. <laughs> you photoshopped the graduation yeah. photo. Do you know, it was such a stressful time back then that I, I don't remember. I don't remember how I got away with it without getting, like, absolutely bollocked by my parents but as I remember it they just didn't ask yeah. mm. I just said I didn't do it I failed or whatever I can't remember what it was yeah. so anyway but, but but journalism was still key to me and um, so I got a job uh, working for a charity called Exposure this is a this is a charity that I actually benefited from when I was a young and uh, when I was 15 I got involved with them and what this what this charity does is work with vulnerable young people so people in gangs people in care homes people who have autism or on the spectrum and and, the, and young people that just want to succeed in the media and yeah so I spent 12 years doing that as an editor in the magazine Amazing. so I used my skills as you know in writing and communicating to to help develop uh, you know young people who needed needed help but it was a really stressful job uh, yeah after 12 years we you know, I, I was working on projects. We'd raise money, sorry, we'd raise money essentially by going to uh, charitable organisations like Children in Need and they would mm-hmm. give us money to produce media that would help a specific issue. So we did a, we did a, we did two projects, my final two projects before I knew I had to leave because it was driving me mad. I was, I was, you know, I've had issues with mental health before mm-hmm. but it was coming back because of the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I did one on, I did a lot of work around male suicide Okay. Uh, with a lot of work with the charity Calm and producing media to uh, create awareness around the fact that male suicide is such a prevalent issue. Um, and luckily Calm has exploded since then and 
you know, not partly due to me. I'm, you know, I'm sure. No, <laughs> I'm, sure yeah. I'm sure I've done a lot of good work themselves. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but we produced this little leaflet. But part of the work was to to, to go and talk to to young people who have had suicidal thoughts. Right. And can I just quickly say on that yeah. point, mm. this is twelve years ago. This, no, no, no. The, the, sorry, the, that was I was about twelve years into my career at Exposure. Okay, that was four four years ago. Okay, I was going to say the point I was going to make, but it's completely redundant now. Was how was that responded to twelve years ago? Because I don't, I feel like you couldn't do that twelve years ago. It still would have been a different conversation four years ago than it would be now. Yeah. The, 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 well, I found out about male suicide being such an issue through a, a press release that they sent. Calm sent me a press release just into my editor inbox. And I read it and I could not believe it. The biggest killer of young men yeah. under 45. I mean, you guys know. Mm-hmm. Three and four men, uh, three or four suicides are men. Uh, and the reasons for it is because men use m- much more violent ways to, to take their lives. And and they don't talk and communicate. You know, we, we know the reasons. We know what, what men are like and how they're dealing with their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I did this work. And, and it involved sitting down with th- these young people. And let's say young, like 18, 19. And then sitting down with parents that had lost their, their sons. Oh. And it wasn't what what it, what it appeared was a twelve page pamphlet about this about this subject, but what I had to do to produce it was sit down and would do hours and hours of interviews, real life, so, real stories, right? Yeah, talking like there was one I, I cannot forget it. I can't get it out of my head. Um, this woman who'd lost her son, she was twenty three, he was twenty three, rather. And I, I won't talk about the methods because there's issues with triggering, mm. but he, it was just a harrowing thing, and and. You know, sitting down and talking to her for two hours about that is just, it's emotionally exhausting because you have to be compassionate, you have to listen and you have to absorb all of it for two two hours straight. Mm. And to do that four or five times over. Oh my God. Yeah, it's it almost like, like acting like a therapist. Well, that's, yeah. the hardest thing for that is you're not doing what a therapist yeah. would do. So you actually like, you're like absorbing, you're absorbing it. Yeah. A, a sponge that's never rung out. Whereas yeah. a therapist goes, I'm going to give you some tools to use now to better yourself and learn from those things. Whereas you go, <laughs> When you absorb this information, it's horrible, yeah. it's toxic information. And it's right. energy as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so I did that. Uh, and exactly right. It's, you, you're, you're absorbing it all and you have to retain the information because I have to turn it into something that can be read by young people. Wow. So then I'd, listen, I'd have to listen back to the interview again and then I'd have to write something. So that was a process of about 25 hours, five hours of just listening to wow. really yeah. hard stuff. You're consuming, How, like digested, regurgitated, like three times you yeah, consume and the and bad it becomes, information. You do that enough, it becomes embedded. How are you coping with it? Now, no, back then, how were you coping with it? So you do well, your job and then job. go home and then yeah, I had to get out. I, I left my job and you know, I did, what, what do you mean? How did I cope during the day? Yeah, yeah. Then, well, like um, I'd go home, talk to my girlfriend about it. I just wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't actually. Yeah. I, I might have a conversation, but I'd do nothing with it. It would stay. Yeah. And um, actually, was, do you know what? The first time this is probably I've properly talked about it. Really? Yeah. Not not in, in a way of explaining it. Yeah. But yeah. in the yeah. What was it? I was going to ask. Was it obviously quite. Once you started to obviously realize that you were absorbing all this negative energy and obviously not meaning to, yeah. but it was a passion project. Evidently, when you first got into it, yeah. was it hard to come out of the yeah that decision to actually say, do you know what, I can't do it anymore? Yeah, it was really hard, and um, because I knew the job was worthy and it, and it had mm. value and it was doing a good thing. It was helping young people. Like I worked. I don't, you know, some young people you can't get through and you, you can't. You can't change, you can't help, but some you can. And, and over 12 years, there are a number that you get through to. Um, but yeah, eventually I had to leave. And and, and, the, and the night I did leave, um, I cried my eyes out. Mm. Because I, I left to go and work in football media, which has no value, mm. yeah. which has zero value. 
Wow. Well, that, that's mm. that's a big statement. So not, <laughs> it, it doesn't have zero value. It actually gives people escapism it's from huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so sorry, but, but, then, I'm but talking not such an obvi- obvious value. The but, direct to the core. Yeah, yeah, but it was hard for me at that time to, to see that to see it. Yeah. So yeah, that was a bad thing to say. I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> but the escapism is so important. But what I was doing was directly working, and then now it's indirect, sort yeah, of beneficial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I just I went home and I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm a selfish prick. Yeah. How can I, you know, how can I abandon these kids? Not that it was, and there was other people taking my roles, but it just kind of felt like that. That was yeah, the process. Yeah, it, was, it was twelve years. Twelve years. So that yeah. I mean, like, well, from fifteen to eighteen, you had involvement working with them. Yeah, as and then well. so I, le- I left when I was like. 32. It's weird. There's a thing that's called um, project loss. Um, I forget where I was reading about it. It's like you you experience the same feelings of death when you lose a project. So you almost have the grief for the project that you've been so invested in, particularly if it's in the kind of evolutionary years of your life. So... Yeah, 15 to, how old was that like? Oh, you spent your whole like, 20s working there. All, all of it. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing. We all, and just so I like, because my 20s, still going through them now, are pretty mad. Yeah. Were you, like, what sort of life were you living alongside doing that? Because surely that must have been hard to have that. Um, all the time. Uh, uh, 20s were really difficult for oh. me uh, and for, for, for a lot of men, I think. Um the, per- the person who I was mentioning earlier was close to me went through some stuff. Mm. And through that process of her recovering, I, through osmosis, just picked up some of that stuff. Right. Uh, so I dealt with a lot of kind of anxiety um, and uh, um, just, I didn't know where I was in the world. I didn't, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't understand what the point was. So I went through a lot of kind of dealing with things like mortality, my own existence, yeah. you know, what's the point? Why are we here? Nihilism. All of that stuff. And mm. and 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 would have massive panic attacks. Um, but 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 I would hide them from everybody because I was so ashamed. And um so so that was a large part of my early twenties. Um, I remember one story, like one of my favorite things in the world was to go to to, to the football, go and watch Tottenham with my mm. dad and and my brothers. That was my favorite thing to do. I loved it. And there was one time where I knew I had anxiety, I knew it was kind of, it was, it was, I was steeped in it at the time, and I was in a pub going football, and uh, and my brothers and my dad were around me in a chat, and there's no issue, and I was like, I'm having a full blown panic attack, and I couldn't tell them because I was, I was ashamed of it. Mm. I was, I was, I was so ashamed, I was so weak, it didn't happen to me. Why, you know, why should it? And uh, but then I kind of eventually realised, oh, well, like, why not? Well, you know, happens to everybody, to, to so course, many people. With, with that though, on your family situation, something that I'm not sure you're aware of. You're one of five siblings, brothers. Oh, well, you are aware? No, but I just yeah, five. You've yeah. five brothers. Yeah. Five brothers. Oh, yeah. Who aren't going through it? Have they ever been open about their? <sighs> no, not really. And I'm sure they have but... all, all in 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 their own way. Uh, my older brother Ross has talked a little bit about stuff. Mm. But not really, no, and it's part of the problem. You know, like like, like I said earlier, mental health is one in four people suffer from mm. some, some form of mental health. It's prevalent. It's indicative of of being alive. Mm. If that many people, it's a it's a it's a character trait. It's a human. Yeah. It's a natural human occurrence. But no one talks about this issue until, or, or you're you're willfully ignorant of it. Yes. Until it happens to you. Yeah. And it was terrifying when 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 that kind of anxiety and and. Um, and the, the 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 feelings of kind of depression and 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 just confusion when they hit me all at once, mm. I was like, "What what's going on? What's going?" On? Because no one explained that this was normal no. and it happens. And 
this is how you deal with it. And what was your first reaction to deal with it then, when you when you weren't aware of what it was? And just close up, just right. hide it, don't let anybody know. You know, I was sat at work and I was having like a like panic attack so at work. Short of breath. Oh, what well, the physical manifestations? Yeah, yeah shortness of breath, yeah. blurry eyed, um, ringing in the ears, right. sweating, uh, just having to grip the table until it passed, essentially. And could you? Sorry to stay on this for so long. So okay. could you? Could you trigger? Like, could you pinpoint? Because. An irrational panic attack is really hard because it's irrational. Yeah. And a stressful panic attack is very different because you can logistically work out where that's come from. Absolutely. I have three things going on at the moment, no money, da da da, da I'm stressed. Yeah. Panic attack. Mm. Was there a, was this an irrational panic attack or do you think there were ways of working out what it was? There was no rhyme or reason to right. it. It would just build up out of nowhere. Okay. And, and at its worst, it was every day. Wow. Uh, I'd wake up in the middle of the night. Um, and, and uh, you know, eventually... I um I found wasn't directly for me, but I found this therapy called Human Givens, which is a type of rewind hypnotherapy, and this this thing fixed everything essentially. Really, like I can't. I've I've recommended so many people to try this therapy out. I've, Human I've, Givens. Human Givens. Right. What's the approach? It's a uh, it's a talking therapy where they they they, they essentially calm you to the point where you're completely receptive to what's being said to you and then they take you through a process of rewiring in inverted commas yeah. the the way your brain thinks about a particular subject interesting so you don't have to you don't have to go through the horrors that make you feel that way yeah. so it's like a, not cbt where you would have to revisit those things yes exactly there, there is that you need to tell them why what what the problem is and where the triggers are and mm. specifically what you have an issue with yeah. but the therapy isn't trawling over that and that's what's so incredible about it and i can't tell you how many people i've, I've recommended like my mates i, I still speak to now mm. are still going through sort of anxiety and panic attacks and you recommend this. I'm saying, mate, this is like as, as close to a miracle cure really? for anxiety <laughs> as you can get. Yeah. And no fucker will do it. <laughs> it's funny. I've never that... heard of it either. Which I was just quite interested. Today, yeah. I was, I, the only other time, because I, I experienced like loss of confidence and loads of stuff when I, about a year and a half ago. Mm. And it's weirdly, I didn't know anywhere near as much about this kind of stuff as I do now. But I Googled and the, the first thing that came up was cognitive hypnotherapy. Mm. Bit of a weird lady. Don't really know what it did for me, but it did remove my inability to. I I lost the ability to speak, and I'm normally relatively articulate, and I yeah. kept, I kept going blah, 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 every time I went to speak to people, and it was really hard. Yeah. So she did this weird thing where she just played the stuff in my ears before I went to bed, in a really calm like you're really sleepy in your eyelids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't I don't know if it was that or whether it was the placebo of it, but. It went, and I got my ability to speak again. I don't know if that was a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah look, I mean, I, I, what, what you go through this process with with these these counsellors, and when I say like miracle cure, I'm saying I had one session. What? what? No way. <laughs> that wasn't like a ten like. Wow, no, ten I had one session, and it cost. Uh, at the time, forty quid. Shut up! Mate, I, I, <laughs> we should all do this as an experiment. But it's not just anxiety. It's I feel like I'm a salesperson. Yeah, I swear, yeah, I've no, yeah. no, I just want, the camera. <laughs> I just know that it would help people. And look, it, I, obviously, it's not going to work for everybody. You have to be receptive to hypnotherapy. Course, yeah. And I didn't think I was, but I, what I am. Mm. Um, uh, and it's things like giving up smoking. Uh, if you want to cut down on drinking, or cut drinking out completely, which I definitely need to do. 
then um, I feel like we share similar problems just in the first two there. <laughs> you, yeah. You've had hypnotherapy. First time well, so well, well, No, no, no. So I, I that he was thinks not he didn't, but he did. It was Alan Carr, you know, the... Um, yeah, how to start how, Yeah, and you do, by the way. The hypnotherapy is right at the end, and it's about 10 minutes, but you spend a whole day doing the non-smoking thing. Mm. And then, yes, the summer came around, the sun was out, all the triggers that you can imagine, you <laughs> want have a cigarette, pint, sun, yeah, I'm smoking again for the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I vowed to give up smoking after my trip next week. Anyway, on to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, actually, I, I want to speak about this as well, because I feel like the, my biggest uh, obstacle in the way of achieving my best self is probably the amount I drink, and smoking is a byproduct of drinking. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've got through a lot, but equally you know in a similar way to me, you can do all the yoga, you can do all the talk therapy you want, but sometimes that's the quickest way to de-stress when you're heavy-headed. Mm. And I would love to, for that not to be the case, but at the moment it's the easiest oh, way. Just, fuck, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Drinking is great. Everybody likes to drink. But what is it that you, you like connecting with people that you that the connections you get when you drink? So if you go for a pint with someone, you have like a deeper layer of conversation. Is that what you find? Yeah, socially, it makes things easier. Mm. Uh, and I've never had, really had an issue socially. Um, but it is easier. It's the same thing with drugs. Drugs, are, everything's better, mm. you know, for that moment. Um, and I, am, I have quite an addictive personality in that respect. I kind of am drawn to changing my, the, the landscape in front of me and how I feel because it's fun. You know, but it is really fucking bad for you. Yeah. You know, I, I every day I wake up thinking, fuck, man. Like, not, I mean, <laughs> not drinking every day, but, yeah. but I'm thinking like, my it's not like, I'm not like waking up desperate for beer or anything like that. Or, you know, but you get to about five o'clock, yeah. end of the day with the missus, it's nice to have a glass of red what's, wine. What's your pattern? Are you a Thursday? Is it, I mean, you're not a, a, night, a, a, a Monday to Friday nine to five person, but like, do you have certain times where you're like, I would find it very hard if someone told me that I could never drink again on that time? Mm. Wow, well, yeah, Fridays and Saturdays, yeah. yeah. But that's not to say, I mean, that's that's the same for everybody. And and I, uh, but that's not that I probably have a glass of wine every night, maybe, yeah. maybe. And well, not maybe that's too. a different form of drinking. Yeah, sometimes. That is a I think it's, it's a, a social social pressure where we live as well, man. Like you just see it everywhere. When I was living in Asia, no one drank. It was just junk food so like it was so easy to sell off the booze I think I didn't drink for like four or five months yeah. as soon as you get back to, back to England yeah. every phone call everyone you speak to is, is literally like hello mate do you want to go for a drink yeah. you've been like, dragged back get into away it, for it. Yeah. Oh, I've been straight back into it yeah but do you not agree that it's like culture I, I, I'd finished work on a Friday whenever I, no matter where I am mm. and like a moth to a flame I'll be ollie to pub yeah. <laughs> and so your Fridays like naturally f you Go into Soho, don't you? Like you work, you I work mean, there. When you say that, it makes you sound like a really no. Weird but I'm not being horrible. You're not the only person, but it's like you're <laughs> lolled up in butter and a gag mask. <laughs> yeah. Where's my pie, <laughs> Bronson? Yeah. Um, sorry, we've completely done. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, twenties. Um, you you have, you have this therapy, and it's life changing in the sense that you never have a panic attack again. Well, no, you do. Right. I mean, you don't. It doesn't go because it's a natural occurrence. You know, the, 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 I'm sure you know this, but it's a part of our fight or flight. Mm. You know, and um, and you need that rush of adrenaline and all the other chemicals that go into causing a panic attack in order to escape dangerous situations. But the problem with panic panic attacks is there is no dangerous situation. You're still feeling like there is. Mm. Um, so it's a natural occurring thing and you shouldn't be afraid of it but uh, and it shouldn't go because it keeps you safe but we don't have to run away from bears or, mm. or, or, or lions anymore we don't have to use these this, this adrenaline to, to, to catch our, our food because you just go and buy it from Sainsbury's so um, I, sorry I'm digressing I, yes I still 
they, it still conjures up, but I have mm. the tools to deal with it. I know what it is and I don't have to worry. Mm. And, you know, it's like feeling sad. Yeah. You don't feel like it is, you're, you're going to die because you feel a bit sad because this girl hasn't texted you back. It's normal. It's natural. It's fine. And once you understand that, the, atta- the, the word panic attack is irrelevant because you just ride it out. Yeah. What are your, because you're about to, I think I'm allowed to say this, you're thinking about um, launching a new podcast around recreational drug usage. Yeah, we started recording already. You've already started recording, it's called Dosed, right? Dosed. And you're saying that that's not pro or against drugs, it's more an exploration of uh, the outcomes of drugs. Sorry, I'm doing a really bad job. No, no, you're fine. But how would you describe, and why did you think there is a place for Dosed as a podcast? Um, Well, it came. A friend of mine is a. He works with young people who have substance issues. So it might be that they are abusing drugs, or it might be they're looking to use. And all young people, everyone gets exposed to drugs mm. just because they're illegal. Doesn't mean they're not ever, absolutely everywhere. My social circle, you know, cocaine's a massive issue with people our age, and it will continue to be that until the human race dies out. Right. Because we're desperately interested in changing our perspective on the world. That's why psychedelics are so interesting. You know, uh, DMT is an issue. It, it, it is available and people use it, even though it's a very extreme experience to go through. It's, it's there and it's, and it's popular to a certain extent because being having a normal setting like we do as human beings, you know, our everyday walking around, gets boring mm. and it's interesting to change your perspective and it's interesting you want the confidence that cocaine gives you mm. when you're on a night out and you need to chat to birds because cocaine makes that much easier mm. it's just at the end of the night where it makes things a little bit more <laughs> do, you, do, do you think yep. it's boring so to speak or it's people using it to escape from stuff like you mentioned earlier like the, the anxiety the panic attacks the stress that you, you put upon yourself yeah both of those things are probably true for, for me it was just exciting and you know I, I wanted to try everything not everything actually you know there's a few things I haven't tried because mm. you know of the social stigma around it but probably yeah. would if I had the opportunity mm. but I wouldn't go out seeking heroin for example mm-hmm. or meth mm. but um, I know that if I did try those things I'm not going to become a meth head or a heroin addict yeah. Because the media thinks that that's what's going to happen. Anyway, so the, the podcast is uh, essentially about talking openly about drugs, giving people the information they need to be educated. Because my son and daughter, or my stepson and daughter, I should say, are are getting they're nine and eleven. Within four or five yeah. years, they're going to be exposed to it. And I would rather them know what exactly is going to happen cool. if they're given an ecstasy pill. Yeah. I'd like them to know how many milligrams of MDMA are in it and how to take that safely. Because gonna, true, yeah. they are going to take it without me. Of course, yeah. And they're going to go and do it. And now pills are so strong. Like pill, XD pills are the strongest, the strongest they've ever been in, 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 since, since they became a thing. Everyone talks about rave, rave culture in yeah, the 90s. Yeah. They're far stronger now than they are now because there's an abundance of quality MDMA in Europe. And the UK, really? yeah. Someone said, uh, Steph's mum was saying to me the other day, she was like, it's, it's not as pure as it used How to be. How old is Steph's mum? 16. That's why. So, <laughs> people, people look back. When was the last time she tried it? I don't know. She must have been true. Yeah. But how many, okay, I want to ask, what's her name? Jackie. Jackie, right, when was the last time you took a pill? Jackie. <laughs> A, if you know what the milligram dose should be in each pill now, we've got to have a conversation at a night out. <laughs> B, if you don't, fuck off. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> See, these pills, um, the, the very strongest pills on the market now are around, have 335 to 350 milligrams of MDMA. A strong pill 
previously had around 170. There you go. Right, uh, some some a, a nice pill, one that might give you a nice feeling without getting like the proper. I kind of think of a way of explaining the face about being offensive, but like you know when you're droopy, <laughs> gurn, yeah, yeah, yeah. gurning, and your chin's all over the place, and your eyelids are going right. That that without doing that, like a pill of about 90 milligrams yeah. would probably see you all right. But your these pills are going around to have four times that dose. Yeah. Yeah. So you're taking essentially four times the strength of a pill that you that you that, that you would perhaps like to take. Yeah. So a good advice I would give to my stepchildren, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going out there right now and talking to they don't know what an ecstasy pill is. No, they haven't got like a massive ice cream truck. <laughs> they don't know what it is, but they will. And, and, and when they do, I want them to feel comfortable enough to have a conversation with me where they, they know that if they're going to take that pill, right. that, mm-hmm. that they try a quarter of it. I completely agree. I think this is a really good thing to happen because mm. it's like that guy that went around your school and was being like, sex is bad. Well, it's like, oh, I'm going to go and do it badly now, but yeah, not yeah. talking about to do it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying for a second that sex education should be like, oh, let's rope in all the fucking weird things you're going to see in the next 20 years. But mm. if we had a deeper, more basic understanding to know that this isn't a terrible thing, it's actually how you make more of us. So yeah. you're going to do it. I think the same approach should be to drugs, but in like a, in an accessible way rather than like, I'm not, there shouldn't be drug biology in class, you know. Or no, well, it's a waste. But there should be a way for them to have a place to seek it out online. Well, there's the other side of it, isn't it, that we, we've dived into in regards to the actual spiritual side that psychedelics are then used to actually connect with an energy that you may not have known. I definitely agree. My problem with that, being someone that was spiked with LSD in my sleep, that's bad. That's bad. Have you explained your experience? Tell us, tell us quick, just in no, like one minute. You said right. you thought you were a rock. Very quickly, so. I fell asleep watching the Six Nations in February. Uh, one Don't of my dear friends, names. won't name the name, but he is qualified to know better, um, came over to me and poured something into my mouth. I didn't know I was asleep and I woke oh, up Brian. and I was a rock. Like, no one could tell me why I was a rock. What about the time when you were a fan? When you were like, ah. Yeah, well, no, I, I became a noise. All right. So I, someone put me in the toilet because I thought I was going to shit myself. Like, I was like, I don't know if this is just a wet, I've wet myself or if I'm just in the ground or if I'm a rock. No one's telling me what's going on. So I went on, I went into the toilet and there was this extractor fan going like, Wah. anyway, someone opens the door and I'm going, because I've become a noise and no one can tell me why. Um, Even them, when they're saying like, oh, mate, we, we, we spoke to you for a bit of a laugh. Didn't think it would work. I don't believe you. Who the hell are you? So yeah, like, it was yeah. a lot. Of, what was it? A, a liquid LSD? I don't know. It was. It was on a tab that went into a Foster's or something, and it went in my mouth. Right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I understand what you're saying. But yeah. I, I think the problem is that we, because drugs are seen as so scummy and because they're not accessible and they're illegal, the way that you obtain them is is in a bad, scary place. Well, like things like mushrooms and ayahuasca. I now can't do either of those things because of this trip. It's okay. bad, right? Because if you have you. a really bad trip, you'll yeah. always unlock that. So I can't do anything psychedelic anymore. My mum's probably listening. Have to you tried? Fun. I tried. Yeah, I went to. <laughs> I went to Amsterdam <laughs> right. uh, shortly. Do you know what's weird? I was listening to a podcast with uh, Russell Brand and Joe Rogan. Mm. Russell Brand being teetotal, doesn't can't touch any of these new psychedelic drugs that yeah. I think are a lot more researched, investigated, and, and regulated. But as they're having this conversation, I'm cycling to Amsterdam. It's fucking boring. It's like 120 miles, not like I did all of it, flat. And something happens, right? They're speaking about psychedelics, and I suddenly, and this happens to me quite a lot if I've done a weird drug, so it, I, I'm high again. And I, it was so weird, I got this horrible pang of anxiety. Mm. We get to Amsterdam. Wait, you were high before you took anything? Yeah, no, nothing. I'm just like eating just energy gels. I'm cycling and something's Where? come up in my body. It's called, a fla- it's called a flashback and it's relatively common if you have taken a, a high dose. Really? Yeah. 
Um, so they must have properly doged it. It's not, it ain't funny. Like, that is a, a fucking irresponsible thing to do. Yeah. To someone who's asleep, who has no, <laughs> has no, uh, no, no idea what's happening to him and then starts tripping hard like yeah, that. That's, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. I, I can't. It's so bad so, you have I, to laugh. But I tried to confront my fear because my friend told me that I had ego death, which is a genuine thing. I promise you, you think you die. And I get to Amsterdam, obviously the home of fucking being free and whatever. And my mate convinced me, to, he's Mancunian, and he convinced me to tackle my fear. And be like, mate, just do a fucking, whatever they call truffles. it. Yeah, truffle. Yeah, truffle. Worst, it was like taking all the worst parts of a drug and putting it in, you're like, I got the anxiety, I got the blurred vision, and I just felt nervous. Yeah. But I couldn't speak, so I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> the, so, the, truffles are my favourite. Favorite really? I'd do, do it, it, like, I'd... I could I could do truffles and have a conversation the like is it truffle so, so they're the little they're like they're like like a it's like a tame version of a, a magic mushroom oh. they're still intense and they come in like vacuum packed and they look like walnuts essentially yeah. and taste a bit like walnuts really that's stuff they put in the chocolate is that, is that yeah, yeah. yeah. You can have chocolate, yeah. chocolate. Yeah. not like if not you see magic, chocolate truffles magic that, truffles yeah in uh, Harrods don't buy them for your mum being like yeah mum you get fucked <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it's going to work um, I feel like one of our other listeners is teetotal and, and has been so for nearly five or six years Josh Connolly so I'm going to probably move this away from <laughs> such a hairy bit sorry Josh yeah. but, but no but no but look no, this is and if Josh was sitting he would say the same thing you're right the, people should know more about these things that they're inevitably going to take at some point mm. um, but I want to stick around you because I think you've got a really interesting story and I think you uh, you're open about discussing this kind of stuff how like how have you found it now so you're let's not undermine how successful the fighting cock is how mm. many downloads are you getting like every it's crazy isn't it um, between 21 and 25,000. So that's about 1,000 more than we get, right? So, right. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's twice weekly. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, and like, great. it started with literally you. How did it begin? Like, why did you uh, get into it? So I was, I was, I was pissed, and um, <laughs> uh, and I, I was really, really nervous about emailing my mate who has become my mate. Right. I didn't know him. He ran a, a, a blog about Tottenham called Dear Mr. Levy. And I just thought, if I email him saying, do you want a podcast, do you want to start a podcast with me? He's going to think I'm some dickhead mm. who reads his blogs, a bit of a fanboy, which I was at the time. Uh, and, and he's, do you want to start a podcast? Like, well, that's quite a random thing. Anyway, I drafted his email when I was drunk because I suddenly had the confidence to do it. And um, he responded and he went, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. The part of the reason was there was other podcasts out there that I didn't, there was one other Spurs podcast and I didn't didn't like it, I didn't rate mm. it. It was like older men complaining constantly. Mm. So but yeah, we, we started to do it. I've got one of my mate Ricky's like one of the, he's the funniest person I've ever met. He's my best mate, and I love him to bits. And I knew that if I'm having a conversation with him on this podcast, it was going to work. Right. It was about a subject that we we all loved, we all, we all had in common, which is Tottenham, and um, and a couple of other mates are drafted in, and, and we just sat down and started doing it. We didn't think about audience. We didn't think about where it was going. We didn't have any design. We, we didn't really know where it was going to be hosted. There wasn't things like Acast back then no. uh, or Audio Boom. Um, Do you so, remember the first ever episode? Yeah, happened? mate, it's horrible. Yeah. So what was it like, was phone it? on the table? Or? No, no, my little brother's a sound engineer. Okay. Uh, well, he, he was actually. Now he's... The best way to describe my little... He, he would be amazing for this pod, by the way. Is he best man? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a thespian. What's that? He's wow. like a fucking like an artist actor. So, so he oh, says, oh, oh, oh my god! I don't want to talk tell his story, but yeah. he, he, he and, and I don't know how much he'd want me to say. But when he was in his teens, he would get up to some stuff. Right. Like he'd go out, and he was a <laughs> lad, yeah. and 
and do what lads do on a night out, all of that, right? The person he is now is completely different. He's like my idol, my, my little brother. Really? Because he he abandoned all of the things that we we are supposed to do. We're supposed mm-hmm. to get a nine-to-five, we're supposed to marry, we're supposed to have kids, and we're supposed to uh, have a house. I mean, and in order to feel good about myself, I have to have all those things. Mm-hmm. Whereas my brother was like, you know, well, fuck that. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go and live in a van and drive <laughs> oh, around. Wow. He's, he's just got back, right? My brother, sorry to, to talk no, about it's such music. He's just got back from walking from his house in Bristol to my mum's house in Brixham, which is on the south coast, and he walked there in a week. Wow. And spent eight days out just sleeping under a, a, te- a tarpaulin. Jeez, I love just that. out and about. I just love just that. out. out. Just he sounds out. amazing. He, he is amazing. He, and when you say he's a thet, this isn't a paid job. Yeah. No, no, a thespian is it's just someone who's like a creative, an artist, a, a, an actor. Is he, okay. he's like, my name is. He? <laughs> well, he does, he's, he's, he's constantly putting like little voices on and stuff because he's, he's into that stuff. He's into drama. But he, he, his story goes from like being that mad kid yeah. who's fighting every weekend. To, to 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 go into university to, to to do sound and and engineering, getting a first class degree in that, and everything he does, he does well, but he gets bored of and just fucks it off. Right. Like he's written a play that went to, uh, off Broadway. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote a play about what? drugs, drugs and mental health. Really? Yeah, and he got picked up. It was scouted by um, new uh, this yeah this uh, theater scout. Wow! And picked it up, and they took it all the way to New York. And then he was like, oh, I've done that now. Let's move on to the next thing. And the current thing was him just walking 140 miles. Anyway, what, what I'm saying is and that... now he's got a new Tesla. He's an aspirant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably the next thing. He's, an, he's inspirational to me because he wow. abandoned the conformity of what all of us strive to. Yeah. I want that. I want all that stuff that makes me feel comfortable. But it does make him feel comfortable. Anyway, he, he's, the, uh, he's a sound engineer. He, he engineered our pod. He, he knew how to do all this stuff wow. before we, before we, you know, we didn't have a clue. So and you had mics and everything on the setup on the first one. We had a single mic, an omnidirectional mic that was in the middle of the table and we sat around it. And that's, to, to be fair, still the way we record to this day. Mm. Um, I think it's so pure. Like, just I want to stick on that for a little bit because I think, I mean, we're sitting in a podcast studio that's rented out to the other people that want to host a podcast. That would have not been the case in nine years ago. There guys would be like dusty and no one would be coming in here. <laughs> but, and people are trying, it's so hard to find what their niche and angle is. Whereas you guys weren't trying hard. You've gone... I don't like what's currently out there. Yeah, yeah. I like chatting to my mates. I fucking love this football team. Mm. And I want to speak about it in a funny way. And if mm. people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. It's yeah. The best way to build a community, isn't it? Yeah. To be your authentic self. Well, it's kind of like relating it to this in a way. We wanted to learn about how everybody else has done so well. And we wanted to learn and make that relatable and accessible. We also like that. We do like self-improvement, but we hate a lot of the shit you see out there. So yeah, I guess yeah. it's some, in some respects, it's quite similar. Yeah. We it's hate the preach, like telling people they should do this, telling people they should meditate, telling people to yoga. Yeah. We Like a lot of that is quite fucking annoying. So that's kind of what yeah. we're trying to do. It's like, you know veganism is a good thing. Mm. Right? You know it is. But you don't want to fucking hear anyone talk about it. No. Because it always comes across in a certain way. Like if I could be vegan, I probably would do it. But I definitely wouldn't tell everyone about it. And, yeah, then, yeah. and I'm not saying all vegans do that. They don't. But He's, he's an ex-vegan. Yeah. Oh, ex- yeah, and he was a prick when he was, was, vegan was well. Yeah, proper Did you talk about it a lot? No, only when I got asked. You were like, an, <laughs> you were like an ex-smoker. Well, that's what happens. You're you're, like, you're, oh, you don't, that's what I mean. You don't even realise. Ollie, is that is that a nine-ounce steak? Enjoy cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never. I've never. You share the animal videos. You share that. I'll just share the benefits I had from it. But I'll never. If I I'll, if you ate meat in front of me, I wouldn't be like, mate, that's disgusting. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I would never tell anyone unless it came up in conversation just like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, the worst part of of of, of meat eaters mm. is when they 
you're, you're telling me you're a vegetarian or a vegan and they'll Okay, you wearing leather shoes then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, yes. that's a you comment. That is. Yeah, but, but why are you doing that? Why? Why? Why, yeah. why are you thing, digging actually. me out? No, yeah. fuck yeah. off. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah, I'm sitting down here. No, I didn't come to say why. Why yeah. are, you, are you a murderer? I didn't say I that. I don't lob an egg and cress sandwich at you when you're eating. Yeah, but no, I didn't say that. And there's the what's the name? The 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 the, the teenage uh, user ninja turtles. No, the the 15 year old who's basically she's like the activist trying to save the world. Greta Thunberg. Yeah, she's just been like so so. So she was that she was going to do a big like global conference and people were like she's flying a, a private jet there. It's like it doesn't matter. Like she needs to get there yeah. to do her best so, presentation. So essentially, you're saying she's she's being hypocritical. Yeah, uh, 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 and it's such a normal thing to be a hypocrite. Everybody yeah. is one, and everybody. It's like this. I feel like I'm digressing again. But no, it's really like social point. media. Mm. The worst part about Twitter. The worst part is the constant outrage. Everyone's fucking angry. Yeah, it's weird about Twitter, actually. Yeah. I, I, I find, I'm back on Twitter now, and mm. everyone's angry. Everyone's angry at something, and the best thing they like is, is finding someone who's done something wrong and shitting on them. Cancelling. As long yeah. as possible. The cancel culture, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Cancel culture. Yeah, yeah so this is this is when someone says... they, 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 they Often it will be like footballers that have tweeted something when they were 16 that was something like, I hate gays, whatever it is, right? It's usually something homophobic. Yeah, yeah, they find home, it. Homophobic. They find it. So this is something they've tweeted when they're 17. You're not formed when you're 17. You make so many stupid decisions when you're 17. Everyone does. But because people are, I'm outraged by this and I need to let you know and everybody know how upset this has made me. Just being like, it's, there is absolutely no value in destroying someone because of a previous mistake they've made. At most, you could say, have you learned from it? Yes, I have. I apologise. I don't think like that anymore. The, the problem solved. So that's not enough for these people. No. They want to destroy them. Do you, do you feel like... feeling of being outraged? Like, what, no. what do you... <laughs> And that's so and annoying. What is, it, what, what is it about being offended? Like, yeah. you're offended, so fucking what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You, you, I, it was a Ricky Gervais said, it just sure offended doesn't mean you're right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> do you find being a presenter, you're, do you ever worry about that? Like, you're on a thin line yourself that yeah. one day people could wake up and think, Flav said this on this podcast. I've said, I've said tons of stuff that could have fucked me on the pod. Um, like, one, one of the bad ones, and I do regret it, and I wish I hadn't said it, but um, God, this was like a John Terry house. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise it was bad until, until, until like a load of our listeners said, that's fucking out of order, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like how they're the North Star. It's like, if they think it's bad, this must be really bad. <laughs> well, it's not like one or two I would have been happy if there was like, there was a lot of people individually contacted us and it weren't like publicly. It was just like in DMs or, or emails saying, yeah, that weren't, that weren't cool. Uh, um, so yeah, well, basically what, we, what it was was we were talking about, um, fuck man... Do you remember the fappening? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. We've still got it now. Yeah, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to have a little look every now and then. No, but the, uh, <laughs> these, one of, one. this is bad, right? And I'm not proud of it, but Hope Solo was on it. This is the female oh, yeah. uh, American oh, goalkeeper. Yeah. And her, um, yeah. the, they had a vagina wrap. Right. And um, at the time, we were coming up with funny things to say about that. And what we said were like, I'm not going to repeat it, just in case you laugh and you look bad, right? But the... We 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 got a lot of bad, a bit misogynistic, right? And, and like Andy Gray, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just coming up with, with horrible names for it, right? Yeah. Rather than saying I would, I want to smash her. It wasn't that. So she wasn't the purpose of the joke. The fappening, having that, was the purpose it, of the joke. Well, her her, 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 yeah, her vagina mean, it, was the purpose. Of, yeah, oh, fine. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard really to talk about it, but the okay. similar situation just quickly happened in Barcelona. Those pitches went in our group again, and when you're in, sometimes when you're at a table with boys and you're hungover. 
you try and outrage each other by saying something pretty disgusting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We had an incident where I was very conscious of this and Nick, uh, sorry, I just named his name. He had been saying very inappropriate <laughs> things and as we stood up to leave the table, the British couple next to us oh. just shook their head like, you're fucking scumbag. Dis- oh, really? scumbag. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, but you could very easily, like, what would we do if they were filming us the whole time? Yeah. yeah because be- that, we'd be... I was actually innocent, but he would be in a lot of trouble. Do you know what's mental about that? Is that is exactly what is happening. You've just personified the problem with WhatsApp groups. Like, because mm. your your lads at a Spanish table in a restaurant were a, a personified WhatsApp group. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it you're was. All, you're all baiting each other, being like, yeah, oh, fucking yeah, hell, yeah. guy. It's like, oh, Ian sent the angry yeah. face and whatever. Mm. But these guys can actually hear it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's almost like having a Twitter page when you're 17 years old. Mm. It's like a a strange string to your memories that only you can think about but no that's been documented on Twitter yeah but this this was actually recorded in the pod but yeah that would be right. the same thing and then, and then yeah, like you said in 17 when you say these things it, it is it's, it's, it's a public space essentially when you write a tweet that is classed as a published document mm. so it can be it's used, yeah. used in, in, in court yeah. if, if need be so we yeah we, we went through that and I listened to it back and I was like that was pretty fucking horrible yeah. And I, w- I wish I hadn't done it. And we apologised for it. And people forgave us because they could tell we were, we were genuine. Genuine, yeah. yeah. And, and that's fair enough. If we'd have said, oh, fuck you, we'll say what we want, then then they have a right to do whatever you want. But if you if, if you make someone recognise and it's not just outrage for the sake of it, then it's a positive thing. But if it's if it's like on Twitter, people are jumping on the fact because they get this rush of endorphing about being right. And outraged. And outraged, yeah. Because they, they probably feel very little generally. And yeah. this is like a rush of something... What, what are you scared of talking about? Like, it, on that podcast, if, if there was like a subject, you'd be like, oh, I'd rather stay away from that. Or like, we've got to be so careful if we're speaking about this. Do you ever feel like... On, on our pod? Yeah. Um, well, it's a football pod, isn't it? So... Well, we talk about... Well, yeah, but it's more than that, though, Mostly yeah. football yeah. stuff. Yeah. We talk a lot about laddish stuff, sex, wanking, and <laughs> porn a lot. Mm. Mm. No idea yeah. what they are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's mental health only. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's all a lot of childish stuff, and our aim is to make people laugh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's things we've talked about lots of heavy stuff as well. We talk about mental health a lot. Mm. You know, we used to promote calm a lot. I did a podcast the other day about the Slim Shady LP. Uh, this album from my mate's podcast called No Notorious Pod, and um, we talked about the N word, using the N word, and right. I felt incredibly uncomfortable doing yeah. that. So much so that I said. I don't want to talk about this, mate. Because really? there's nothing I can fucking add to this mm-hmm. argument. There's enough people who said amazing stuff about it. What am I going to add? Yeah. Two white guys sitting on a fucking pod talking about the N-word. Yeah. So, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Sorry. You can do what you want, mate. Probably right. not that one, but yeah. yeah. No, not the N-word. Yeah, so um, that was the only thing I've ever sort of shied away from. Generally, I'm, I'm, I am I feel like I can navigate myself around something that won't get me in trouble. Do you feel a duty having such a large audience of pre- predominantly male to try and help them in some way? Yeah, because not, not, I think it's a responsible thing if you have an audience to do something that benefits people. Mm-hmm. That's not our aim. But if you can, you know, raising awareness about mental health, raising awareness about prostate cancer, uh, things that affect our, our our target audience, then then it, so you should, I think. Yeah. You know, why, why not? But outside question. looking in, I guess you, you're quite observant of your audience, especially in that particular app, uh, Telegram that I'm in. Mm. there's some interesting videos yeah. that go in there yeah. but are you quite observant and, and try feel like a responsibility as a leader to, to, to a leader yeah a leader to, to you know yeah like raise issues of mental health and, and do you observe I def- I'm definitely not a leader 
You are, you are a leader. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like one, and, and, and I'm not comfortable mm. in that. You can see me shifting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fucking leader. Fucking leader. No, no, that was the wrong time to put a camera on the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do, we, we, we do a podcast and we talk about it, and it's popular. You know, that's I'm so grateful for that. I don't feel like a leader at all, right? Um, but there is a, a kind of, like I said, a responsibility to to use your influence, not just for fucking selling betting apps mm-hmm. you know you should also talk about the, the you know the, uh, things that are all worthy and, and, and listen to this and this is why I started talking to you about it because mm. this is so much more enjoyable for me than talking about football all the time yeah. and, and that's part, part of the reason why part of our podcast isn't all you know, just football just, yeah because you've got a, a great platform to teach people about th- it's like I was having a really good chat with a guy from Sanctus um, yesterday morning it was really interesting Ian and I were speaking about this as well like where the mental health circuit um, for people that need to have more awareness around male suicide and everything else tends to be people that already know about it. And then what you tend to find, what you find is that that circle just remains the same sort of size and it grows really, really slowly. Whereas, you know, movements like FC Not Alone and, and putting things in places where you wouldn't expect to hear about them, I think serves such a greater purpose and has much bigger effect. Yeah. Um, it's why right here we're going to start selling Blue Viagra. And, uh, <laughs> Bluechew.com. Yeah, Bluechew.com. But it was a question I was going to ask you, actually, whilst we're here, because I can imagine working with Exposure, doing a lot of stuff with a business that is around youth culture and that sort of thing. One of our stock questions is, what would you say if you had a room for the 21-year-olds? Um, and I, wa- I wanted to ask you earlier on before we even start closing up, is like, what would you what would you say to a younger audience now, like the learnings that you've had and really building something that is kind of future-proofed in a way and, and for the future, what would you say to a room full of young people now? Um, it's going to sound really wanky, but I would say don't worry. Like, unless you have some s- severe sort of issues that, that, that really need help and, you know, need services. and, and but, but generally, you're going to feel not everything is going to be easy and you'll feel there'll be periods where you feel um, unhappy and sad and lost. And, and you know, God willing, you'll never feel that. But if you do, don't worry. Ride it out. And 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 things will 100% be better than they were. There's a, there's a I think it's a Churchill quote of all people. I know he's... There's been we stuff. had Einstein the other day. You know, it was <laughs> Did Churchill. you? Did yeah. you? Did you? Uh, there, there is, um, it's... Uh, if you're going through hell, keep going, essentially. Oh. Don't stop. Don't, 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 don't sit and manifest. I, I, I don't profess to... To, to be able to uh, to, to, to um, benefit a group a room of 21 year olds I don't mm. feel like I'd have that kind of influence over them or why they would listen to me but that I wish someone would have told me at 21 like there will be some tough times you are going to feel like this mm-hmm. you know you will have these feelings of panic and anxiety not as specific as that because yeah. it's different for everybody but the natural cycle is that you'll be able to cope eventually and where I am now is I'm so happy. Yeah. I, I'm I'm genuinely the happiest I've ever been. And how old are you now? Thirty-seven. That's actually that's, okay. So that's really interesting for us because you're nine years older than us. So yeah. You're the generation ahead. My next question was actually I'm going to ask you generational questions here. Okay. <laughs> My next question was actually to people. I would say the predominance of our listeners are late twenties, heading into thirties or mid thirties, or even hi Nan. How you doing? I'm sorry, <laughs> doing two weeks ago. Um, so, but. What would you say to somebody going into their 30s now? Because I, we had a really good guy on two weeks ago called Andy Ramage. And Andy started a movement called One Year No Beer. 
and it was about I living up here for yeah, 28 days. Really a lo- lovely guy. And the, the problem that we had in answering questions being 27, 28 mm. was, yeah, but you that's such a great time in your 20s. Like, you wouldn't change that for a world. And he was like, no, you're right. Yeah. I regulate how much I drink. Absolutely. Would you, is there anything specifically you would change? You know, well, back age. in my 20s. Yeah, heading into 30s, or like, what would you, what would you say to yourself then? I wouldn't change anything because because um, it's me. I'm happy and well, so well rounded. I'm comfortable with who I am because of that process. I shouldn't have asked that question then. You can't say I'm happy and I have no regrets. You have to give me something. I think also to add for <laughs> someone like when I when I when I turned 27 recently, I've, I've the last month I've been quite like feeling like the the clock is ticking, mm. worried about going into my 30s. So for someone that still doubts how successful or whatever my 20s have been, going into my 30s, I'm kind of dwelling that. Uh, sorry, when nervous I was, of that. When, when I was 27, I was earning about £23,000 a year working for the charity. Uh, and I'm thinking I'm earning less than the national average. I'm 27. People are buying their houses now. Um, and uh, I was really anxious and worried about that. I, I thought I'm never going to have enough money to, to do what I want to do. Um, and it worked out <laughs> is all I could say uh, for me it worked out I had the podcast it was lucky uh, and, and essentially all of that comes from following what oh man it's so, so wanky but you're allowed to wank on us it's fine. really okay <laughs> uh, so I just oh, that's following small. something that I felt <laughs> following something I felt passionate about that made me happy and doing it made me happy and it wasn't about the money and if you're doing something that you're passionate about that, uh, and, and, and you're good at it then the rest will come. Yeah. And if you're passionate about wanking, then mm-hmm. perhaps the money won't come. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're passionate about... <laughs> Although there is a porn there star... Is a way, there, there is, is a way. There is a porn star whose dick is actually um, valued at £1 million. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, one of my friend's friends. Ben Dover. <laughs> huh? Was it Ben Dover? Anyway. So, yeah, I'm finding this difficult to answer because no, I, don't, no, no. I don't know what to say. But, but yeah, the, the, through, through, through the tw- I wouldn't change... The, I'd probably party less in... in yeah, <laughs> uh, spend spend some more time, you know, reading and 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 reading the right stuff mm. rather than um, reading the stuff that was that, that I was into, but was a little bit depressing and bleak. Right. So my favorite books are like Darkness at Noon by I think mean, Costa, uh, um, Costa. Uh, uh, the Outsider by Albert Camus. These are all kind of nihilistic. George Orwell, you said as well. George Orwell, yeah, 1984, yeah. and and, okay. um, and a, a book called Slaughterhouse Five. All of it's quite intense, or yeah. like tough stuff to listen. All to. very like wide view and actually quite uh, intimidating. Yeah, as like a little person on a rock, and yeah. you read a thing being like the world is a mistake. Yeah, you know, is it what? fiction? What? What? Yeah. George Orwell wrote about in 1984. Four, he wrote yeah. about what the future is going to look like. Is yeah, that yeah. Like, yeah. So like sapiens, that kind of. It's about yeah. all, all controlling government. And no one's allowed to do anything. There is no. Everyone wears the same clothes, and okay, and, yeah. uh, and and there is a there are free ministries that run everything, and it's a, about one man's rebellion against this this controlling state. Big Brother, the term Big Brother comes from it. Okay, yeah. but all of it was quite bleak, and in, you know, and it was, uh, but but I wish I'd I'd read less stuff that was that shaped how I viewed the world at that time. I, I wasn't, I didn't view the world and people as a as a good thing for a long time. You know, I struggled being around lots of people. Um, Sort of see the value in what humans brought to this place. So, like, yeah. I, was, like, I was reading the wrong stuff. Mm. <laughs> no, but that's that's mm. that's probably the, some of the best piece like advice I've heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. we we were filming some things about self improvement, sabotage, and 
reading things about self-improvement. Self-improvement, sa- sabotage. I've I, never heard that, but that's I, exactly what... I, I came up with the term myself. Did you? I, yes. I genuinely think I did. That's, yeah. That is a banger. Boing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, it's because I would get to Monday mornings. Now, I'm obviously everyone knows I have quite big weekends, and I'm literally depressed on Monday. Like, I just I can't see light. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm like, I love my life. I would try and listen to a podcast, read a book or something in that state of mind. Yeah. And I'd be like, this guy's a cunt. What am I doing? Like, yeah. And I have such a negative view of myself and the, whatever this person was that I would hate self-improvement. And, that, and actually then I'd read another one and I'd read like four books that, that I have on the go at the same time. And it's just shit. You don't, it doesn't go in your head. Mm. And I think it's making sure you like the author, making sure you like their narrative, making sure that you like what they're trying to say and that there is no rigid, rigidity to what they're saying. Mm. Because seven highly effective habits of highly whatever it is, people mm. by Stephen Covey, it literally sent me in a spiral of self-hate. Mm. So I was like, I've not got a religion. I've got 10% of my whole life. Oh, but it's not the habits. Yeah. <laughs> just all these things that people try, they've made a fucking mint out of selling them back to us. But... Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that piece of advice. I think that's very helpful. Yeah, well, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, managed to put, I, don't, I don't know if it's advice, but thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so actually part of that, that, that mindset that I created, um, you know, through reading those books and looking at the kind of futility of, of existing, sometimes it was that kind of dark at times, um, kind of made me want to escape London. I've lived in London my entire life and uh, and and now I live in a hamlet in Wiltshire uh, on a farm, essentially. Wow. And throughout the working week, I might not see another human being. Do you have animals? I've got animals. I've got, chi- uh, 13, got dogs. 13 chickens. I've got hey, dogs. 13 chickens. Yeah, I'm thinking about setting up a, 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 um, a, a section zoo? of the garden first, get some goats. Yes. Oh, yeah, so I can't spend more than a day or two in London before going crazy. Man. Yeah. So you think that came from reading those not, books? Not, not solely, right. but I think my my the way I viewed human beings as a mass, not individuals. Like, mm. like I could deal with the right people and uh, I was, you know, made lots of friends and, and, and connections I enjoyed. Mm. But um, by and large, I kind of, I, I just saw what human beings do to the yeah. world like and, and the damage it caused and I watched the news and be influenced like that and there's yeah, just yeah. so much fucking negative information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then reading this kind of intellectual Work, bodies of work that considered to be... So it's all... All all of it was like... I, I, and I realised now, looking back, that while these are incredible books and they're my favourite books yeah. still, they were giving me a really bad outlook. Yeah. And they're making me feel really that bad. so true. So like, cons- we forget what we are... Not only consuming and what stimulates us as we're working and walking through London, but it's then like getting back home and on the tube and you're watching a TV programme. Like, we flood our brain to consume all this negativity. And just like you were saying, relating it back to when you were you know, editor of uh, Exposure, mm. if you surround yourself with that much negativity... And we do it every which day. Which we do. Yeah. It's, no, it's no surprise that the absorption rate of negativity is higher than positivity. So yeah. Really shit. So yeah. And that, that, would be, that would be another thing is don't watch the news. That's yeah, I've stopped, yeah, I've stopped for a long time now. What do you get from it? Well, I, th- I just feel like sometimes I like being a bit of an idiot as well. Being like, what do you mean Brexit? What's going on? There's always <laughs> and, the argument that you're uninformed. No, like, but, that's, not but you know what? The best thing about being uninformed is when you turn to somebody and go, no, what's going on? They will, oh, well, you never guess what, right? And you hear their opinion. Yeah. And then you go to the same, but what's going on? Oh, you never guess what? So I'd rather be completely neutral so, because people will then come to you and they give you their thoughts. So you just ask people that you... I don't even want to know are intrigued. Thought, yeah. to be honest. No? Nah, I... I like the worst thing in the world is my dad starts giving his opinions on the, of Brexit yeah. or immigration. 
uh, my dad's like an old school working class white guy. Okay. Um, and um, and while he isn't, he's, he's on the borderlines of, of offensive stuff, but he isn't quite there yet. He's a good man, but... He's not quite the taxi driver from Fucking Factory. <laughs> he's, not, <laughs> he's not there, but it, it, growing up in the right area probably would have been. But you know what I mean? He, he's a good man, but he's... Um, I can't, I can't, I don't want to, I, don't, I certainly don't want to watch the news, but I certainly don't want to hear your Version. opinion on it, Dan, <laughs> yeah. because it's fucking worse. What you're saying is worse than what I'm watching. Yeah. And, and, and and there's no such thing as good news on, on the news. It's, no, it's, you know, it's, no one wants to read it. No one wants to, to, to absorb it. So I switched the news off. Yeah. Um, if you're going to read, find the right sources online and, um, and just, uh, it's okay to be quiet, I guess. Sit wow, down. love it. I think that's really good advice. That's great advice. I, that's my interrogation over. I feel like I've, I've asked. I struggle quite... with that bit, to be honest. No, it's, I, I, that's but good because that, that's actually really important. We, okay. the reason this is people are relatable on this is because we're asking questions that you're not used to really answer. Like if yeah. I ask you, should Tom Huddleston still be in the squad? The answer is yes. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> that would be an easy I, answer. Yeah, that's I think easy. it's like one of the hardest podcasts to do because there's so many different topics. I feel you're, yeah. you're able to cover and yeah. able to talk about, and there's so many things that I'd like to talk about. I've been really um, indulgent in this, so I'm going to pass over to you guys. Mate, you're on fire today, by the way. I feel quite warm. Yeah, you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) But is there anything like in, obviously... No, I mean... We've got fanboys as well. Boyman, big shout out to you, brother. Yeah, yeah, he had all these questions for you, but I don't think you want to answer them. No, well, Well, you're someone who listens to the pod. He's he's like a big... You've met met Ginger. Ginger lad. No, I mean, yeah, I've seen this thing about being gingers recently, but he is ginger, so... Gingers have come back in... I think Ginger. Yeah. I mean, they're always all right. You know, popularity. Died to go, you know, Max Branning from EastEnders. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah he's created this thing. Like, we need to step up and be like, it's not okay to be gingerist. So I have to so, respect. That. Yeah, yeah. So he, he is a ginger, though. So I don't know if that means you can't say that word now. Is that a ginger no? It's word? like black's not a swear word. I, yeah. I still. So he has. He has it depends hair. if you're using it as in the pejorative. No, I mean, like, I would term. describe him the first thing I'd say so you could recognise him. Say he's, he's ginger. Ginger. So he is a ginger. Right. He has red hair. A ginger. Fuck But he has red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Very good looking, but that's the colour of his hair. But anyway, I, 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 I've seen him, I've been with him at the socials, that's how. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, he's a big fan of the, the fighting cock. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, he's, look, he, he claims to be a nine year, like, beginner. Avid listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. yeah. 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 Oh, I shoot one of his questions though. He's, he's, he, was, he asked questions, he was, he was trying to, well, he tried giving me questions about what he wants to know about Flab, which in all fairness, I've actually asked. Actually a lot of things yeah, he wasn't, going, he, he asked me to ask a question to make me look stupid, which is around Edgar Davids. Not going to ask it. Right, okay. But it was around <laughs> something. was it? I was a bit good. It was something like, <laughs> it was to make me like, like an idiot, like, uh, do you think that he was the right choice for manager? Uh, knowing that I know that he's not that's Spurs' manager. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, just, no. just quickly on Edgar, Edgar Davids, you never played that charity game. Yeah. You know, he like was like the only competitive one like he's so competitive really and like when the prince got the ball he was actually trying to smash him everyone was like no, don't, 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 don't do that <laughs> yeah. and he actually had a go at me because I didn't go into a 50-50 with him really <laughs> I swear mate what wow yeah, yeah. I can fully um, ask that no most of the questions have naturally come okay. through can we ask any questions that you got for us knowing that you're a fellow podcaster um, uh, uh, any questions I'll tell you what I'll tell you what, what one one it's really boring though. It's like, like around the titling of the pod. Yeah, it's yeah. Like think about like keywords. Do you want the advice? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah. think about like keywords that you that would attract the eye. Because I had to kind of work to figure out what the episode was oh, okay. mm. when I was reading it, and the quality of it speaks for itself. Interesting. The kind of title in the pod's quite. What like, is it like the dog days or well, uh, we no? Dog days the is fine. Episodes. But, 
the, like the description. Oh, and try really hard on those. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about that after. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. Um, no, I, well, I don't have any you. questions. I'll just say, like, thanks for having me down. And, like, I'm humbled to be asked. And, like, um, my, the egotistical section of my brain loves it because, mm. like, everyone likes talking about themselves. But it's also quite awkward as well so I want to say thank you I, I like whilst we're on air as well because I know that a lot of those questions were quite tough to answer and you, you've not had to do that on your own podcast so I appreciate yeah. A being vulnerable B being honest and relatable that's yeah. kind of what well, we so, it's so important to, to accept vulnerability and yeah. and accept that it's okay not to be strong and, yeah. and not to be like a tough tough man because that fucked me up during my 20s yeah. I wasn't I was ashamed of what I went through. So, and I wasn't able to talk about it because it's not what boys do, especially certainly working class family. Yeah. Do you know, you're. Do you have people opening up to you? Yeah. Now? Loads. How do you like, deal with that? Um, so, we, we did. It, it's hard, especially like in person, because like we, we talked a lot about mouse suicide, the calm stuff on the fighting cock. And because people got so invested when you're producing the podcast, and you get people that listen. They become, they feel like they're part of the conversation, even though they're not in the room. Yeah. So become people come. Well, well the bigger you guys get, I've had it quite a lot recently. Ha- Someone's talk, talking to you in mid conversation whilst they're listening, being like, "Yeah, you're totally right, mate." And I'm like, "Oh, ding! Yeah, you're totally right. What do you mean?" Yeah. And then like so, the, the ironic one was when uh, the No One You No Beer podcast was out. I was having so many beers after that. <laughs> I gave people being like, hey man, this is awesome. Like, why don't I not drink? I'm like, well, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, you get, you get people that are kind of so invested in who you are. Yeah. And so people are really, really familiar and uh, really personal because they've spent 300 hours listening to you spent talk nine about nine years with you. Nine years, essentially. Mm, yeah. But I don't know who, who they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the conversation is almost like it's down the street and I'm at the beginning of the street when I meet this person but mm. they're already there so it's really hard to adjust to that conversation really quickly and a lot of them would talk about the stuff that they've had so many so many young men specifically I keep saying young men I know mental health's across you know isn't there of course a gender specific or age specific exactly um, but you know we they they would tell me lots of stories like about suicide about how how the podcast helped them, mm. how, how it kind of give them that relief, which is why it's such a stupid thing to me to say that football doesn't mean anything. Mm. You know, it has no value because it does. It, it really does. Yeah. It, it can save lives and give people a purpose. And um, and the podcast, people say it does as well. And that's never an intention. Mm-hmm. But if you do something that something resonates with and they give them that escapism, for even if it's just an hour a week, um, then that's an incredible byproduct of just talking about football. Um, so yeah, we had, we had lots of people. You know, um, there was one kid. I don't know if I'm gonna go this sort yeah, of sad story. Yeah. This kid Tom, he got a really uh, strange um, blood disorder, and he passed away at 23. Mm-hmm. And his dad emailed us and said, um, "I just like he he loved he loved your pod. He would listen to it and talk about it and recite stuff that you guys had said." That's awesome. And. Uh, and he wrote me this long email. He said, "Like, and I'd, I mean, like, that's ma- like, how nice is that? Though? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful." And I met up with him. I went, I went to meet his dad, and um, we to to, to honour Tom passing. We we produced. Oh, I've got my mum. She's like brilliant. Mm. Sorry, my stepmom, brilliant at like a uh, creating material things like banners and shit like that. And she made this huge for Tom banner that we held up at Spurs. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, it was that's one of those 1882 events. Nice. That was amazing. I held it with his dad. And wow. it was just a, a, a lovely thing. And to just just to have that impact 
um, is incredibly humbling. Well, I think that's, well, that's like a really, podcast that brings that together. Well, I was, was going to say, mm. that's a really nice way to more end this because yeah, it's yeah. like, thank you for being that vulnerable then. Because yeah. if this, if this, if if there can be one person that hears this and goes, that, I really needed that. Mm. Um, coming from somebody else has done what you've done. I think that's amazing. Um, so, mate, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, mate. Thank you very much. No, if everyone wants to get to Flav, they get you at the Fighting Cock, I guess. Um, uh, or, uh, love the shirt. Or, which is the Fighting Cock account and my personal account is love, uh, love what am I about? <laughs> Flav underscore Bateman B-A-T-E-M-A-N um, but it's not worth following really <laughs> if I'm honest it's, it's nice bullshit. go on to Spurs come on Spurs go on Spurs <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at the Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week.